Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the first edition of the Bengal Tiger Portal podcast. It is transfer portal season. We are in the midst of the 45-day window, and it is as wild as anyone would have ex- expected it to be. I'm Billy Embody. Matthew Bruni is here on my left in the window. Below us, Shay Dixon. Uh, the trio back together for a podcast for the first time in a minute. Guys, uh, first of all, great work on the podcast during the season. And now we move into the off season in a way. We're waiting, you know, the bowl season to start up here. But we had to bring everybody another podcast uh, for every week leading up to uh, this portal window to end. And we came up with the portal podcast. So I'm excited. Every week we're going to get together here. On Fridays, hopefully have it up by lunchtime for everybody. Give it, give you something long to listen to over the course of the weekend. Um, but we're just going to kind of hash it out. Everything going on with the portal. Uh, players entering from LSU. Players entering LSU could be interested in. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, let's lead off with just, uh, obviously, we're starting up this podcast to, to bring to our Bengal Tiger subscribers, which, by the way, dollar for a year. You get the hat as well. Check out the instructions on the message board uh, in terms of redeeming your hat. If you can't find them, DM us. Uh, we'll get you hooked up with those. But uh, it's been a wild first five days of this portal um, window. And look, Maddie, let's start with you. I mean, reaction to just kind of the wave and, uh, of course, getting this podcast off the ground. Yeah, I'm. Uh, first of all, I'm excited to do a podcast with someone other than Shay. So <laughs> thank you, Billy, for, for letting me. Shots fired. For, for coming up with this podcast so so we can do a podcast together again um 
secondly, uh, yeah, the podcast or the the portal has been about what I expected so far. Uh, you know, we had on our board, uh, you know, kind of rumblings of Jack Besh even before the the championship game. And so when that came out, it was like, okay, that makes sense. And then after that, it's been kind of, I think we called it like natural attrition. Uh, yesterday morning, I woke up and I was like, hey, guys, should I, you know, pre-write the Cole Taylor and uh, Colby Fields ones? Because that wasn't on our list. And Shay was like, no, no, no. And I was like, all right. And then they dropped. You had one more name in there too, but we won't say it. Just <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not yet. Matthew woke up and said he was dreaming that three guys transferred that we did not have pre-writes on because we've got like double digit pre-writes just in case guys enter that we thought natural attrition would take away. And we just told Maddie B, I, I, you can if you want. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I did not pull the trigger. So anyways, uh, Colby Fields and Cole Taylor were two that um, I could have had, but Shay talked me off the ledge. And then- oh, God. I'm receiving a beating here. First off, the hate about the podcast that now he's got Billy on here. He's happy. Second, <laughs> been grinding all week. Thought I had strep. Now I'm on strep meds. Yeah, you okay? Today was like, you know what? I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to go get a Polar Pop Coke. Get myself through it. The Polar Pop is now empty. I didn't drink any of it. It's all over the floor because right before we started, I knocked it off. Dude, a second before Billy Press record, Shay just we, we knocks almost, it all down. We almost had a, a terrific tease for the podcast, the, the portal, just spilling out options for all these college teams. <laughs> a metaphor, if you will, Shay. Metaphor. Yeah, I'm entering the portal. <laughs> Shay's floor is soaked with with. Uh, We've got some towels down, and a dachshund is currently licking up a lot of Coca Cola. So there you go, there you go. But yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my take on the portal to this point. It's been it's been good. Well, Shay, how has it been treating you so far? I just said it's a complete, you know what show. It's uh, I can't handle it. I'm about to quit, and nothing's even happened yet. <laughs> we haven't even gotten the run run. I feel like to this point. No. I mean. That's the thing. LSU was was kind of patient. Like we start pivoting a little bit more. It's like we knew LSU would be a little bit slower with the attrition just because the exit interviews coming off a championship game. You know, players were locked in uh, for so long. We knew it would take some time. So to only have what is it like eight right now in the portal and two of those being Philip Webb and Antoine uh, Sampha, which we kind of knew going in. It feels kind of like we expected it hasn't gone too fast to this point like i'm I'm wondering if there even will be a run of just a day where like there's five or six at a time i don't know i don't know if that'll come well we've seen billy and matthew here i want y'all's opinion here eight guys you mentioned samp and webb maddie b they both went basically they weren't even on the roster this year in august they said they were going to enter now at the end of August, they actually put in these windows. They couldn't officially be in until now, but uh, they are part of the eight, but we won't count them in this. Colby Fields came in from South Carolina a year ago and played at Rummel. Um, really backup special teams guy this you know, was a special teams guy this year. Played 11 games, had a few tackles. Uh, Desmond Little, who's been on the team for a couple of years, is an edge rusher. He was actually playing a little bit to start the year, uh, that role sort of, um, diminished, I guess, as the year went on. Cole Taylor, who's been uh, a mainstay at tight end for him uh, for a couple of years. His playing time kind of went down, obviously, as Mason Taylor emerged. Uh, Ray Darius Jones, God, I loved him coming out of high school, playing at Horn Lake uh, as the quarterback on the Kobe Dean's team 
um, freakish athlete. He was on that 2019 national championship team, uh, but suspended the entire year this year. Demarius McGee, both these guys are in the portal now. The last two guys who are on the Corey Raymond cornerback room. So um, that's how much of a rebuild you're going with there. Uh, he did play in some games this year, but mostly special teams. And then Bash, who a year ago led the team in catches, uh, obviously fell behind this year, got injured some. Who are y'all going with so far? Of this, there's eight guys, but let's say six. Two of them, Sampa and Webb, we already they weren't even on the roster this year. So, of the six, I guess make the argument: is there a is Besh the biggest loss? Is there a loss bigger than Besh? I will I will take a Cole Taylor as the bigger loss, uh, just because of mainly where the wide receiver room is, and I know people are going to just get absolutely irate over that, but. I just think with his size, I mean, he had, you know, real nice catch for a touchdown against Mississippi State last year uh, in 2021. I mean, he had the shoe game against Florida. I mean, he's had these moments where he stepped up for this team. He just got passed up by Mason Taylor and, and Jack Mashburn in a way. So, you know, I, I think that one, you know, as a junior too, I think he could have maybe stuck around in the spring and seen what the portal gave LSU, how they finished out the tight end room. You know, they have Mac Markaway coming in. They're gunning for Jackson McGohan. Uh, they've got, you know, I think one more tight end coming in this weekend on the official visit train as of now. So they're gunning, you know, to reload that room. But he also brings something that I don't think anyone on the roster has with his size. So he hasn't been overly productive, but I think that's a big loss. You know, you look at how that room just doesn't have the depth. Um, and he was, you know, coming off his junior year. So um, maybe he could have graduated and moved on after this or something. But I, I would say with where the wide receiver room is compared to where the tight, the tight end room is, I, I think Cole Taylor is just a, a smidge bigger loss. Yeah, I mean, that's why the – so I agree that Cole Taylor is a is a loss. Um, it's just him and Jack Best that are the two most significant for sure. Um, and it puts the tight end room in an interesting spot, right, with where it's really just Mason Taylor. And so um, as much as, you know, Jeff Jack Mashburn's back, so you got him, but he didn't really play the second half or really after like the first couple games of the year. So like you said, they do have a couple of tight end prospects, and that's what I kind of wrote in when I did the uh, – the when I ranked the five – uh, needs of this team in the portal, I was hesitant to put tight end on there because I figured they are they have so many they should have so many tight ends coming in from the freshman ranks, whether that's two or three. I mean, we saw this year Mason Taylor take the load and kind of be fine with it. Um, now there is a question of from the blocking perspective if they can block as well as Cole Taylor did, but he was really only in on end zone and short yard stuff by the end of the season. So yeah, Cole Taylor's a loss, but um, I'll stick with Jack Besh. Um, Y'all covered it well, well in the podcast in the recruiting podcast um losing him we we had kind of seen it coming but at the same time anytime you lose a guy that is capable of putting up 40 receptions like he did is it it matters it matters even if he didn't have the great a great year and even if he wasn't the most talented or you know out you know nfl type dude it still matters i like the answers i mean I'm surprised Besh went in. I really did think he would wait it out a little bit longer. And from talking to some people at LSU, they were a little surprised he went in. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where you have a guy that clearly loves, loved being at LSU and love, you know, getting that opportunity. You know, Vanderbilt commit who flipped um, to LSU and and did it pretty quickly after he got that offer. And I, I think it's one one of those examples where, 
look, I mean, just sometimes it, I mean, it worked out for him. He's got a great story. You know, his season wasn't what he wanted to it to be. He had some injuries. He had, had some things pop up. And, you know, after being around the staff for a year, he probably just felt it was in his best interest to get a fresh start elsewhere. I mean, you wish sometimes these guys would you'll wait it out and, and maybe give it, you know, another shot um, and see how the, the chips, you know, fall on that one. But um, I was a little surprised in that sense, but he, I just felt like even when he was, um, you know, healthy enough to play, I, I think he was underutilized. And then he had some moments that were just, you know, tough for anyone to kind of go through. And I think that held him back a little bit more in the long-term plans too, you know? So um, I was a little surprised, but, also not as much after after kind of looking at it from the whole year, even though he started off the 2022 season going to Atlanta in the SEC media days. Yeah, I mean, he was thought of as a leader on the team, no doubt. He was, you know, what, in charge of one of the SWAT teams. So it was clear Brian Kelly and staff identified him early on as a leader. This is not specific to Jack Besh either. If there's one spot they can lose on a roster across past 20 years at LSU, it's receiver. I mean, there were times where they were really struggling for depth and all that. And like their top guys were DJ Chark or Russell Gage. Like those are NFL starting receivers right now. So like they're never going to, they're bringing in four guys who are really talented. That room will always have some turnover to it. I think it was just a little surprising that, after two seasons, Bash is ready to move on. But um, his choice, everyone will be rooting for him. Be interested to see if he stays in the SEC or goes elsewhere. But again, we move forward. Eight people in the portal. Not That doesn't shock us. We thought that there would be double-digit guys entering the portal, and they're well on their way to that. Uh, Billy, three new offers handed out. We're looking at... And look, there could be more than that. That's another thing we've talked about. We'll, we'll have to talk to sources about this because I talked to a lot of kids who are on the team right now who were transfers last year who said they were getting a lot of offers. They just never tweeted about it. So certainly LSU has probably offered some more kids. We'll dig that up. But publicly, in terms of reported offers, there's three of them. Kyle Morlock and Braden Fisk are both grad transfers. Morlock, um, tight end out of Shorter University. Uh, Braden Fisk, DT out of Western Michigan. They've both been in the portal a while now. They have LSU offers, but they also have a lot of other offers. So uh, Braden Fisk, for instance, already visited Notre Dame this past weekend. So those guys are probably going to take their time, get a feel for things, uh, wrap up things as grad transfers, and then uh, pick out a new spot for the spring. Billy, I'll ask you, you caught up with Braden Swinson a little bit. This is a kid out of Oregon who – not a ton of production in three seasons. I mean, 35 tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss, a few sacks, um, but still has a couple years of eligibility remaining. And we saw got Mason Smith. A number of guys were responding to him when he got the offer saying, let's do this. He was a Georgia kid originally. There seems to be some connections to guys on the team. Uh, your thoughts there. And I think it's worth reminding too, you and Matthew both pointed this out on the board. Not every guy they'll take, and it was proven last cycle, is supposed to be a starter. Like, they also need depth. So some of these are depth plays. Um, but your thoughts on going to the West Coast and offering an edge prospect in Swinson? Yeah, I think with his size, I think that's one thing that where you look at Desmond Little leaving the team, you know, he's a true kind of 4-3 defensive end, you know, kind of skinny. Um, you know, certainly got a lot bigger than when he came out of uh, uh, Alabama, but – he enters the portal, 
you need to kind of replace some depth at that edge spot. I mean, Keishon Butte returned for his, you know, 2023 season, but we're assuming BJ Ojolari is going to go pro at this point. So you've got to replace some depth there too and some rotational guys. And at, you know, 6'4", I think, 245, he could probably play both spots uh, here and there. And who knows where his body goes, you know, if he does end up at LSU and, and how they kind of mold him and try to revitalize his career. Jamar Kane has a relationship dating back to high school from there. He told me he's, I'm packing up my stuff right now. I haven't even dive, dove into, you know, the transfer portal world just yet. I mean, his only offer that he tweeted out, I believe, is LSU. Um, and again, he could have more. He could have not. Um, but, you know, I think with him, you could bring him in and and he is you know, played at a high level. Uh, he's played in a primarily backup role or, or seeing, you know, just limited snaps. Maybe he just comes comes in, replaces a, a veteran player who left in terms of that slotting on the scholarship uh, chart and, you know, just provides, again, just some snaps and kind of what he was doing at Oregon. But maybe he likes Jamar Kane enough that he trusts him to maybe get a little bit more out of him, too. And this yeah. is a guy, right, that Jamar Kane recruited out of high school at Arizona State? Correct. So there'll be those connections. Brian Kelly's already said Louisiana connections – like Louisiana natives who went off. We saw that a lot with the past transfer portal cycle, bringing guys back home uh, is an easy route, right? Like you can get them back into Louisiana. They want to be back home. Uh, and if they fit, it's a good move. Then we see guys like this. Remember, this is a staff that beyond a year ago, wasn't at LSU. So they've recruited a lot of guys to a lot of different schools. That they can go out there and get a feel for. I think another thing to remember is that, Last year, when the portal like heated up, there was no window. It was pretty much after February signing day, some a little in the January period. But LSU at that point already knew who was going pro. They already knew who was entering the portal. They already knew every high school kid they were getting. Right now, we're this is ahead of even the early signing period. Let alone you knowing everyone that you're you know, leaving your team, you know, everyone that you're going to get in the December signing period, which you don't. I think there's a reason that it's moving a little bit slower in that sense, because there are still so many moving parts here and we're seeing it with all teams. It's not yeah. like Bama or Georgia or anyone else is just loading up on transfer additions right now. I kind of felt like, and we had, I had told people ahead of time, this is not going to be like signing day next week where all of a sudden you're going to see, 15 guys enter and 10 guys get offered and nine guys commit. It's going to play out over 45 days and they have a second window after uh, spring ball. So yeah, patience, patience. No, people definitely expected it to be uh, kind of like signing day, at least, at least on, on the board, it was like, okay, where, where is it? Where's the action happening on that first day? Um, but no, you, you make all, all the correct points. I think, like, like I was about to chime in and just say the same thing. We haven't seen teams load up already on transfers because if you look at it last year, the teams that loaded up on transfers were largely new head coaches, right? Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, and then obviously Lane Kiffin uh, over there as well. But like, if you start with that, coaches A are just getting hired and so don't even know their roster. And then B, they're going to continue to get hired. So we have to figure out how all that goes. And then, then you have attrition then I, I really think we might even wait till the second period of the transfer window to see um, a good amount of movement. So uh, yeah, these 45 days, it might seem like a long time, but we have to remember all that goes into these 45 days, all the decisions that have to may, be made, all the hirings, 
then those coaches have to hire their staffs. And then it's just, it's such a long process that players will enter, but I don't know what the timeline is of players picking teams and committing to teams uh, for the long term. I think that that'll take a while. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my outlook. I think the, the Swinson y'all covered it well, the Braden's Brandon, uh, Braden Swinson edge from Oregon is kind of a plug for uh, Desmond little. If they get him, obviously we'll see how that goes, but Braden Fisk, the defense tackle from Western Michigan, is one that I'm really interested in seeing how that pl- plays out. And y'all can talk about his recruitment a little bit more, but 58 tackles last year, 12 TFLs, six sacks, two forced fumbles. So somebody in a position of need, I think, regardless of what Jaquil and Roy's decision is and the fact you get Mason Smith back, I think you need more interior depth, which is what we saw this season. I think that's a good um, – and with Fisk, we mentioned – He's already visited Notre Dame. He's setting up other visits. He's clearly not in a rush to go ahead and shut things down right now, considering more offers continue to come in. Uh, And he doesn't have to have a timetable on it. He doesn't have to decide today. He can continue to look at all these schools through the month of December into January and still be uh, available to transfer out and get in in the spring, which a lot of guys want to do. That's another thing that LSU and a number of schools are battling. But I was talking to an LSU source who said, Look, there's so many of these guys that are entering the portal and are saying, I want in for January. Well, LSU's saying, we got to make sure we know who's on the team, who's going pro, how many guys we're getting in the early period and all this to know what our numbers are to take kids in January and how many we should take in January, how many then wait until after the portal window in May and come on a summer enrollees. So uh, as Matthew noted, so many different variables at play here in this window when you sandwiched it in between coaches being on the road, which has taken up a majority of their focus this week, early signing period, a couple of weeks from now, uh, December 21st to 23rd, NFL draft declarations in January. Um, Maddie B mentioned so many staff changes at other places that could lead to kids entering the portal. A um, lot of variables. So not surprised that we're on day five and that they don't have any commits. I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would be blanket offering guys either. But let's take the thousand foot view here of no matter the name, no matter the offers out, each of y'all give me your number one biggest need position in the portal. I would probably go with defensive tackle. I think it's just such a premium position. Uh, They're in on guys like Jordan Hall. Uh, They're in on guys like, you know, trying to flip Amari Washington from Oregon, but all that won't really be decided until December 22nd or so. I mean, when you know, all right, Amari Washington tells you flat out, no, no, no. Jordan Hall tells you flat out, no, no, no. And, you know, we dropped some tidbits on Jordan Hall. We also dropped some tidbits on another name emerging um, for LSU to watch. So definitely check that out on the defensive line front. But I would say defensive tackle, go get you two, maybe even three. It's just that premium of a position. And it's the hardest to really get guys that end up being difference makers. Some some guys in the SEC just don't end up having it, um, you know, whether they're highly touted or under the radar and they're they're a late take or what have you. I mean, they're trying uh, to address that position in a big way, but it's the hardest one to do it. And um, we're also not seeing, you know, a ton of elite defensive tackles in the portal just yet. I mean, Braden Fisk is a top 10, maybe top five transfer portal uh, target right now across the country that's where he's ranked i believe on the transfer portal ranking front early on right now at least and so 
they've got time. There will be guys that get to campuses in, you know, January that maybe even poke around and say, I don't like it, you know, early enrollees, um, which makes the portal wild as well. Uh, but uh, they do have some time. It's just such a position of need. They've got to turn over every stone. Um, and I think it's a position that if you lose Jaquel and Roy, I mean, it becomes even more important. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go corner. I think that that was number one in my in my article as well. When you lose Jarek Bernard Converse, Makai Gardner, Colby Richardson, uh, and then Ray Darius Jones and Darius McGee, you're left with seven banks, Jalen Davis Robinson and LaTerrence Welsh. And while I'm high on, um, I mean, all three of those to a degree, um, and then you have, you know, a couple corners coming in, you can get them inked on signing day. I still just think you need corners in this transfer portal period. I would be surprised if they didn't go get two as much as, you know, we haven't seen seven banks. We'll have to see how that plays out, but I think you need to, I think you have to approach it similar to how you did last year. And while that's not great, you don't want to become, you don't want to have to do that every single year. I think it's just the the reality of the situation they were in when they took over here and they knew it's going to take at least two recruiting cycles, probably three recruiting cycles to finally get to where you want to be with the depth. Um, and again, I like Terrence Walsh quite a bit coming out of high school, um, but we'll have to see how uh, if he's you know ready to contribute at an SEC level. We know how hard it is. I mean, took Jarek Bernard Converse and Makai Gardner coming in with multiple years of experience and the physical traits to be able to play um, immediately, and even them, you know, it was kind of hit or miss at times. So, yeah, I would go corner as my as my pick. I'll go D tackle and corner as my one A one B. However you want to slice it, I absolutely agree with both of y'all. Uh, we posted this on the board for Bengal Tiger subscribers. I heard from a very good source uh, that's about as trusted as it comes that they're going to take two. To, they want two to three tackles in the in the portal, and we've seen them hand out one offer. And I don't really know how much that matters with who they close on. They realize they need at least a couple guys that can come in and help give them some depth behind what we presume will be Roy leaving, and then Mason Smith coming back, Makai Wingo coming back. You got Guillory as a backup guy, but. After that, you have nothing proven. So I think they really would like to be able to get a rotation there and uh, and keep those guys relatively fresh. I, is this live, Billy? Or we, we got a live update on the, the portal? Yes, breaking news into the portal, one that we did have a pre-write for, so I'm pulling it up right now uh, to activate it, actually. But Cam Wire has entered the transfer portal uh, LSU losing one of its veteran offensive linemen, a guy that, look, hadn't, you know, taken that next step that you would have liked as he came out of East Ascension. Um, 10 starts in first three years, 22 appearances overall. Um, LSU's losing a guy who could probably go elsewhere and find a bigger role. Um, but I will say this, uh, he's had some medical issues with his knees um, and was just kind of overtaken, you know, during the course of the last year or so, especially uh, he had his opportunities, but LSU loses uh, Cam Wire to the transfer portal. Your guys' thoughts? I mean, this was a day one starter for them, but then you've—I mean, he got beat out by a true freshman. The I mean, Florida State Cam game, yeah. The Florida State Emory game. Jones, yeah. That was that was the whole thing. Was we we watched the Florida State game and the offensive line got killed that game. Like it was. Just, I mean, Jared Verse. Yeah, they just loaded up. Jared Verse on his side, and it was just over. And so then we see the Mississippi State game, and it's Emory Jones. And we were like, okay, you know, this is kind of funny. And then Emory Jones ends up being – wasn't perfect this year, but he was definitely their best option at right tackle. So, um, you know, with with Jones and Campbell and then Zalen's Hurd coming in and 
uh, you know, Anthony Bradford and there's and Garrett Dellinger. I mean, it seems like there's enough youth on this offensive line to where if you're not one of those young players um, in the rotation, if you're not one of the young players even uh, developing at this point, which Cameron Wire is not, it, I think this makes sense, which is why we were kind of expecting it. Yeah, that this is the ultimate. I mean, this fits right into natural attrition. He was starting. He no longer was starting. He never got back into the starting lineup. You return all five of your starters on the O-line and your six-man in Dellinger. So I thought O-line would be one of the groups hit because they have a lot of older guys in that room, Wire being one of them, who don't play. And when you're bringing in a fresh crop, as you mentioned, and you've got some highly ranked kids in there, DJ Chester is an interior guy, Hurd is an offensive tackle. You can move around Emory Jones if they want to. I don't think that wire is not a surprise at all. And I think there will be more offensive linemen go in just because I don't think they're going to, if they didn't play this year and you're bringing everyone back and you're bringing more guys in and you could even take a portal guy, that's the sign that you should go ahead and move on elsewhere. Yeah. And I still think LSU could be a player in the portal for an offensive lineman or two, whether that is at center, whether that's at tackle, I think that's all very reasonable and realistic things for this team, this uh, for this program is to look at tackles. Because like you said, Emory Jones is flexible. Obviously, we know he now can play offensive tackle, but he can also play guard, which he was recruited to do. Um, Anthony Bradford's kind of flexible, but they like him more at guard. So uh, maybe tackle, maybe center might be a spot to look at uh, in the portal for them. I'm. That's all I think that'll take time. I think we'll have to see who all is available in the portal and can, they'll kind of go from there. But yeah, those are that's how we that's the assessment of the offensive line for me yeah i agree with you guys i think that's a position where um you always look up to upgrade the offensive line um and i and i think last year kind of showed that they tried to get you know Traymond shorts in there and and Mm -hmm. get him to work out um you know they they obviously brought in miles frazier as well i think it's a position that if you're doing it right you've got to look at it every transfer portal cycle they have one of the best offensive line classes in the country so they have talent coming in with Zalance Hurd, Tyree Adams, Paul Mabenga uh, and DJ Chester but you know it's a it's such a position where lack of a better term it's a complete crapshoot as far as how these guys pan out you know Paul Mabenga you look at him and he's got all the traits that you look for athletically um, but he's still you know raw and still learning to play um, you know, DJ Chester, very physically ready to go, guys. Lance Hurd, still young, but I mean, looks elite. Tyree Adams, kind of same story. You don't know how they're going to pan out, so you need to give yourself options. And I think in this class, they have Zalance Hurd, who's probably the plug and play type in the class, in the recruiting class right now. DJ Chester, probably right behind him, but then Tyree and uh, Paul Mabengar, the developmental guys. So if you can get a third name in there that is kind of a plug and play type, um, that could go a long way to really retooling this depth long term. And even with the four guys committed, we had heard and shared with Bengal Tiger subscribers, they're going to kick the tires on offensive linemen uh, to fill out this class with. So, you know, just kind of a big worth, you know, definitely a noteworthy um, piece of news there with Cam Wire and the Porter. I remember going all the way out to East Ascension to see him as a prospect. So it seemed like yesterday, but it was also a long, long time ago before COVID. Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. how you know. That's how you know you're getting old is when it felt like yesterday, and it it wasn't yesterday, Billy. He's a senior. Um, not a surprise. Best of luck to Cam Wire. I'll wrap up my thought. I'm with y'all on DT and corner. I think corner is an absolute one. 
Uh, and it also makes it very paramount that you could potentially close with the Desmond Ricks or Toviano if they do like him at corner. Um, some guys that you can start to build that freshman class up because you do not want to have to rely on portal every year to fix your issues at that spot. Um, I'll go tight end because I think they want to run 12 personnel. Uh, losing Nick Stores and then Cole Taylor to the portal, uh, Nick Stores graduated, um, leaves you with just Mason Taylor and then walk on Jack Mashburn, who earned a scholarship over time. Even if they get – look, Mac Markway can come on campus. He's committed. He'll be here in the spring. He hasn't played football in more than two years. So there has to be some sort of acclimation period there. Um, then you look at, do they get Jackson McGohan? Okay. It looks like they're trending in that way. Well, then how ready is he for what they want to, you know, use out of the tight end spot? Can you flip a guy like Pimpton? Like all that sounds great, but what does it actually look like when the dust settles? Who do you come away with? Uh, because of that, I was not surprised. The first offer into the portal was at tight end. There will be more. I do think they need to take at least one tight end who is a veteran that can help them out, that can, um, not take Mason Taylor's role necessarily, but allow them to play multiple tight ends on the field at once uh, without one of them having to be a true freshman. So uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, let's get into a couple names here as we wrap up, guys. Um, guys who have entered, Xavion Thomas, Louisiana native, Denver Harris, um, a guy obviously out of Houston uh, who's got some connections to LSU through Tech Minor and was heavily recruited by LSU, Gavin Holmes. A uh, kid out of Rummel who played at Wake Forest and is in the portal as a corner, which we talked about being a need. Um, I don't know where y'all want to start. We can start with Xavion Thomas, and I'll say what I know about Xavion Thomas. He was the starting punt returner at Mississippi State this year as a freshman. He left John Arrett as a four-star. A lot of people thought LSU should have offered him. They took a big, you know, what, Landon Ibietta uh, this past thing, so it was a small receiver class. They took a big one this cycle. So they don't necessarily need to stock up on receivers, even with Kayshawn coming back. But with Besh out, you'll see if you lose any other receivers. It's always nice to have more receivers. They really want a return man. I think everybody looked at this one and said, no brainer. I mean, he started for state, made some good plays in the LSU game. He's in the portal now. Go get him. He fits the mold of he's a return guy from Louisiana. We're pressing pause on this. Billy, you wrote about it in the wind bar yesterday when you and I had talked. LSU's going to do their due diligence. They've got a field that other guys are hitting the portal as well that are return men that could also maybe make an impact in the wide receiver room. So we are not in the boat that Xavion Thomas is a lock to end up at LSU. Now, could he? Sure. But LSU is not going to turn around and offer him yesterday and get him committed. They are waiting for some other guys uh, to enter. They've got a couple of guys I know uh, that they've got on their mind. Some they're kind of already deep into talks with. So I think they like to do some of this quietly to get it across the finish line without other schools kind of pouring into it and, and trying to land visits and all of that. But as of right now, we are not promising Xavion Thomas into the class. Uh, we think that they'll do their due diligence there. It doesn't mean he won't be. It just means it won't be today. And Billy, I think that matches up in a way, you talked to Gavin Holmes, who a Rommel kid went to Wake Forest, is in the portal. Um, and he gave you kind of a similar feel of, yeah, I've already talked to LSU, but it's nothing that's going to happen right now. Yeah. And the thing about this is, is and we talked about it a little bit, is these guys are packing up their things from wherever they've been at college at. They're ha having to, um, 
you know, field these calls right away. They're having final week, finals week in some cases. And, you know, recruiting is underway. You know, I talked with Dominic Lovett and he was like, my mom's handling all that right now because I'm focused on finals. And he's one of the hottest names in the portal. And Gavin Holmes the same way. Now, he was just getting back to New Orleans when I spoke with him. And uh, another SEC school who we dropped in the win bar went in home with him on Thursday. Um, a big, big, uh, you know, challenger potentially for LSU if they want to go in on Gavin Holmes. But it's just the early stages. And I said, well, is this like, a good time to really catch up about where things stand. He says, honestly, there's a bunch of schools that are hitting me up. Let's reconvene after the weekend and I'll have a better idea of where things stand, what visits I want to take and do all of those things and really jump into the process. So that's where a lot of these guys are at. And I think when, and this isn't a shot because there are a lot of Louisiana natives who will enter their portal and they would love to come to LSU and they know they'd go there right away. And I think Xavier Thomas could be one of those players who would love to go right to LSU. But there's a process. There's, you know, the staff is going to obviously want to talk to you and go through their process and either catch up with you on the phone and then go in home and have you on campus and see if it's a if it's the right fit for you and if it's the right fit for them. And also you mentioned it earlier in the podcast about these initial counters. A lot of these guys are going to be on campuses in January. LSU is going to have a lot more information over the next, probably at least, you know, week or so about who their January high school players are going to be. I mean, JVN Toviano announces his decision on December 15th. He's an early enrollee Desmond Ricks. They went in home with yesterday. He's an early enrollee. There are other targets out there that are early enrollees, and those are all initial counters. So if you take somebody who's going to take a spot and you end up finding this, you know, three to four year player who didn't like where he was and he's got all the tools that you want, but oh man, now you can't bring him in in January and that's going to change his decision. So they're going through the process of talking, you know, internally hey, we see potentially so-and-so entering the portal. Let's try to wait and see if that's the guy. Maybe somebody that just brings a little bit more to the table. Um, that's not a shot at Xavion. That's just the reality of all these colleges, you know, having to go through their own process and way. So with where Xavion Thomas stands right now, I would say other schools are going to hit him up. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he was one of the better return men uh, in the SEC uh, made a big play, had a punt return for a touchdown against Georgia. But you also have to do your d due diligence on it and make sure that you're ready to commit to him for four years because he is young and he does have four, you know, three years, I guess, of, of four to play three of uh, eligibility remaining. So LSU could go in on him. They could also say, you know what, we like another name that's entered the portal or um, we're going to go in a different direction. So it's not a slam dunk, but, you know, you would think he'd be a good fit if they decide to go in that direction. I'll say this. I'll trust Kelly's evals based off of what they did a year ago by managing the portal well enough that they took double-digit starters. They took guys like Weeks, who very much helped out as backup linebackers. They took some guys that helped out on special teams. So they built depth pieces. They got starter pieces. They took a big risk and took a quarterback who ultimately started for them. Uh, Miles Brennan ends up leaving. And those are tough decisions to make. And those guys make a lot of money to figure out, and they know they're at practice every day. They're in the film rooms. They know the trajectory of each guy. Um, 
And I feel confident in kind of from their approach last year that uh, they'll handle this well. It's just going to be fun to watch. Uh, Denver Harris, that was the big buzzword name. Everyone thought everybody at a was going to leave. That's not the case. I knew that wouldn't be the case. But Denver Harris did leave. And initially, we had talked to LSU people who said, well, you know Brian Kelly's approach. He doesn't want to ruffle the feathers in the locker room. He doesn't want to do any of that. It'd be a shock if he went after a guy like Denver Harris. Well, lo and behold, beyond just flagging initially of, hey, this kid may have had some trouble at his previous spot, Brian Kelly says, I, no, I want to dig deeper. So we've heard rumblings. Jordy Claude talked about it. Uh, Tack Miners, obviously a stepfather, played basketball at LSU. There's buzz that LSU did do their due diligence, that they were able to talk with Denver, that they were able to really get a feel for, for him on Kelly's side, doing their due diligence. Uh, we've said it on the board. Our guy, Billy, our guy Grambling has doubled down it on the board uh, of everyone. Just, hey, patience with a guy like this because they're not going to rush anything when it comes to doing your due diligence. But we're not ruling him. I'm not ruling Denver Harris out. There was a time where I thought that they would not mess around at all. Doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they'll at least get a feel for it, which is the right thing to do. See yeah. what you think. Get an interview with him. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll throw it to Bill here, but they they need corners in in the worst possible way. Simply put, Matthew, <laughs> they need this they kid. Was, look, <laughs> I'm not going to get into any of the what happened at A and M. That yeah. locker room was quite toxic. Obviously, it, <laughs> it seemed even Lucci would say that that boy, man, this locker room just ain't gelling together. There's a divide. Uh, and there were some knuckleheads in there. Is Was he part of that group? Maybe so. I mean, clearly he got suspended for a stretch. The reality was the first half of the season, he was their best corner, and he was a midseason All-American on on three. So he didn't play the rest of the season because he was suspended. If they feel like, hey, we can we can put him on the right path, do you all have any obligation? Do you put your foot down and say, I still don't think they should take him? Or do you think that, as Matthew just noted, they need corners and he's the best one that's out there? Yeah, I mean, I this is tough for me because Denver Harris, I mean, is one of the best prospects because he still is a prospect in my mind around. And there is a there's a risk, but there's also an insane reward if he pans out, pans out. Uh, that's how talented he is, and that's how talented he's been his entire high school career. I think there were some red flags at North Shore. I think sometimes there's – some of these guys just are – when you're that well-known and you're on that level of a recruit for so long, you can sometimes just get into a little bit more trouble because you're on this pedestal. There are so many eyes on you, and I'm not saying that, you know, it was unfair to him. Those are just the expectations a lot of these guys have to deal with um, as high-profile prospects. And he was suspended for a playoff game at, at uh, North Shore. I believe it was something over um, North Shore's staff take cell phones the night before when they stay in the hotel rooms, and Denver didn't like that. And it was it's an immature thing. It's not nothing bad. But, you know, there were red flags when he was in College Station. But, again, you almost – when you have – players like that who do have red flags, you've got to make sure you really check all your boxes. I mean, you look at what LSU has gone through in the past with some players, um, you know, under the Les Miles at Ogeron kind of mix era there and the spotlight that was put on the program because of that. You've got to be careful um, with taking some guys who have just had some red flags. So 
I think with Brian Kelly, the way he operates and with, I mean, this is a guy that doesn't call plays. He is very much a CEO of the program. He's a politician in a way. He knows when to push that envelope, I think. And so if he sits down with Denver Harris and his family and gets a good feeling and trusts his culture to take care of that, you know, that I mean, I think that's that's great. That's a you know, I believe in second chances and I believe in an, a second opportunity for things to work out. And if they do with Denver Harris, man, I mean, he's going to be a starter for two years. He's going to be out the doors, potentially a first round draft pick. That's how good he is. So he's doing the right thing, doing his due diligence, not ruling it out. I had heard on the front end of things that, hey, this might not be a good idea. But in reality, they're doing the right thing by doing their due diligence on him. I think you brought up something that nobody else is talking about and the knock at the end of the, or through the season really. But I think what, and listen, I listened to all Billy Lucci's podcast, shout out Luchador pod. Um, He said it, the issue with Jimbo, one issue with Jimbo was he's calling plays. So he's spending the majority of his time working with the offense, working with the coaches, drawing up game plans, all that. Kelly is not that like Kelly's your CEO. He's not going to get, you know, deep in the weeds with Denbrock and tell him what to do every week. He's not going to sit in with Matt house and tell him what to do every week. He's going to oversee it, but he's also going to oversee the program as a whole, which means being up to date on academics, being up to date on if kids are in trouble or not finding ways to, you know, get a solution out of that. We saw it last year. He was calling out Kayshawn, your best player, who was like threatening to go to Alabama behind the scenes is what everybody thought. Brian Kelly basically just came out and said, I don't even know who Kayshawn is. He doesn't come around here. Maybe if he came around, I'd know who he is. Maybe if he spent some time around here during his rehab, he'd be a better teammate. Well, what happened? Kayshawn started showing up, showed up enough to get the number seven. We talked about this on the pod earlier. After the first game, Kayshawn had some drops. Every, dumb LSU fans are all over his social media. He scrubs it all. Everyone said, well, he's opted out. It'll be done. Well, what did Brian Kelly say that next Monday? He said, on Sunday, I sat down with Kayshawn for a long time. And we talked about becoming a father, the pressures of that, you know, how to handle scrutiny. Don't worry about deleting your social media. Don't listen to fans. Keep it in-house. Here's how you can grow as a man and as a player. Those are things I think Jimbo wasn't able to do because he was so invested in having to be the offensive coordinator and you lose track of actually overseeing your program. So if Kelly think like, look, if Denver Harris signs with LSU, Brian Kelly signed off on it. Nobody twisted his arm and they did votes and Brian Kelly voted no and other people voted yes. And Brian Kelly got outvoted. His vote is the only one that matters. So if Denver Harris ends up on LSU's team, Brian Kelly, with 30-plus years of head coaching experience, who knows what he wants to build here, who knows what the locker room's like. He's already said, I don't want to you know, upset my locker room by inserting kids who are not going to be fits. If he feels like – if he's on the team, if they take Denver Harris, that means Kelly saw enough or at least got his message across clear enough that there's not even a leash probably. I'm just holding your collar. It's not even like – how far away you can get from me, you'll be standing by me all the time. There will be no room for error. 
and I would feel good about it because I don't have any reason to not trust it. No, no transfer that he took this past year caused any issue on the team. Not any. But I mean, but none of them really to our knowledge had any prior issues. Right. And that's why it worked. It, no it just, it worked out so well last year that I don't, I don't want, I feel like that might mislead people to be like, Oh, you can just add anybody and it all fit. It might, but there is there is some hesitation for me here. Well, it, Brian that, Kelly it, said it very clear. We're not open for business. There ain't a sign out front that says anybody can get in. So yeah. they're doing their due diligence. We'll see yeah. where it goes. Right. Um, but he kind of goes in. Look, they had recruited him well out of high school. The other guys yeah. we just mentioned there had been recruited by LSU out of high school in a way, but were really just Louisiana natives. Um, but there will be more names as we wrap up here, Billy, more names that enter the, the transfer portal that are from Louisiana buzz started to come out about Edgerin Cooper. This was one of my favorite players in that class. I thought LSU mismanaged that one in the worst way possible. His junior film was really good on the North shore. His senior film was even better and they slow played it so long that they thought, oh, we can offer in the early signing period. We'll just get him to hold off and then take a visit in January and he'll commit. He just signed with AM in the early signing period and said, well, they were on me. At least they were on me. Now there's buzz that he might enter the portal. We'll see. But that's one where I would say, go get him. Absolutely. Bring him home. He's got. He's had no issues since he's been at AM. Extremely productive. Louisiana native. Knows a lot of guys on the team. And can help you at linebacker, which is a spot where you're more than happy to take, you know, some more depth when you've lost Colby Fields. You're only bringing in two guys in Weeks and Braithwaite. You'd like a guy who you could plug in and play that's got a lot of experience in the SEC West, very much in the same mold to me as like Greg Brooks or Joe Fusha. Like, you know what you're getting. They've played like three straight years of SEC West football. They're from Louisiana. They know what LSU is all about. So we'll keep an eye on him. We'll keep an eye on others. But I did, before we wrapped up, want to throw his name out there because I know people on the board were, were buzzing about that potential. I guess he had made an Instagram post about thinking about it. And then uh, some folks on the AM side were saying they had heard the buzz that he might be thinking about uh, leaving College Station. So uh, that's one to file away. But again, boys, we're on day five of 45. A lot of time still to come. A lot of time still to go. I want to chime in on Edrian Cooper. He was a 2020 class guy. LSU signed. These are the three linebackers, and it's timely. LSU signed Antoine Sampa, Philip Webb, and Josh White as their probably true off-ball linebackers. And then they also signed B.J. Ojolari as, you know, an edge guy. They had to bring in Jabril Cox in that spring. You know, Edrian Cooper played in 10 games as a freshman in that 2020 season. (laughs) <laughs> made two tackles, but then over the last two years, he's made 119 tackles playing in 23 games. I mean, is there, this isn't a surprise. He was more productive than every other guy that they took. Yeah. Josh like, White was very, very productive. I, 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 I was surprised that, that Josh didn't pan out at LSU, but you know, Antoine Sampa had knee issues. Philip Webb just was kind of there as a senior. I felt like, but Edrin Cooper and I was, texting with some LSU sources about him. I was like, when are you going to make the move? When are you going to make the move? And they were just trying to get him to hold off on signing early. 
and just A&M, that was probably one of those first signs. Maybe A&M was here to play um, in recruiting. That was kind of, a, you know, getting a Louisiana guy to just shut it down when LSU's kind of recruiting him and all that. So anyway, I think it would be, yes, a great fit um, and a huge, you know, addition for LSU that would really change, you know, the defense in a big way if, if he did enter and they did decide to press. He's not entered yet. So this is a hypothetical that we're wrapping up with. He was more productive in high school than Joe Fusha, Greg Brooks, who were great high school players. Like Edger and Cooper was a clear cut LSU should have taken him and they waited too long and A&M didn't burn him. LSU burned themselves. A&M had him committed and got him signed as they expected to. I, I remember beating my head on that one because it was just there. And anyone who was watching him in high school is like, Best player on the field every Friday night. Don't know why LSU's not going to take him. I think that one changed their uh, mindset on Louisiana guys kind of in general. Like not – like they went national with all three true linebacker prospects that they took out of – out. you know, and Louisiana doesn't necessarily produce a ton of linebacker, but still you had one right in your backyard that looked like a sure thing. I think it changed a little bit of their mindset. I think that's why Jack Besh ended up, you know, at LSU. I mean, those are, those are the types of stories that we had seen kind of pop up um, because of missing on a on a guy like Edrian Cooper and not, you know, going with a Louisiana guy. Dylan Carpenter. Yep, Dylan Carpenter in this cycle as well. So, guys, fifty plus minutes. People are going to go nuts. A lot Crazy. of weekend for people to uh, to uh, milk with this podcast. And we, and so. we broke news on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, well, our I portal wish. king, Matt Zenitz, broke that news. So if you don't follow Matt on Twitter, M yeah, Zenitz, Z E N I T Z, throw him on alerts. I mean, it's on just three amazing. employee, on three, uh, portal king and coaching changes news. One note as well as we close, uh, Corey Phillips, uh, assistant director of player personnel, was going to Colorado to be their director of player personnel. So loss on the recru- recruiting department after the season LSU had, they'll have no problem finding somebody to fill that role. Um, but that was just a quick note to kind of wrap things up. A guy congrats, who congrats to Corey. Nice yeah, guy. Good, good guy. One of the good ones out there. So congrats to Corey. Anything else? Yeah. I am trying to move my feet right now, but they're stuck in so much dried up Coca-Cola oh, that God. I cannot get either foot up. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> well, the empty yeah, pole, I, that was pour one out. Pour one out. And pour, some just poured out. We just put shape preemptively it. poured it out for Cam Wire leaving. So all <laughs> Dude, over. The yeah, I wish we were recording at that moment. It was just, oh, just see Shay gosh, just go just so panic. Good. He's like the reaction no. was priceless. God damn. Um no, yeah. I, that that that's it, man. Go ahead you wrap it up. That was that was a good pod. Yeah, great pod, everyone. Uh guys, please subscribe to the Bengaltiger.com. One dollar for a year gets you the hat. Again, instructions are on the message board or DM us. There you go, Maddie B. That looks great with the red shirt. With the red shirt. Uh, <laughs> we oh, will know. have tons of coverage on the side of the portal, recruiting, official visit weekend this weekend uh, coming yes. up for LSU. So tons to cover on that front. And also mash that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Continues to blow up. Uh, and a quick thank you, too. We're above 3,300 subscribers uh, we've grown about 400 in the last three weeks or so. So shout out to everyone who's taking advantage of the dollar for a year. Um, let's hit 4K. Let's hit 4K in subscribers to the site and 3K on the YouTube page. So with that, guys.
appreciate you guys listening. Have a great weekend, and we will catch you next week with another edition of the Bengal Tiger Transfer Portal Podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-4247. Support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.